Well, thank you, brother. It's so good to be here. Greetings to you, faith family, and greetings to all who are joining us through the live stream. I am just so incredibly blessed to be back here. We're so grateful for the great heritage and legacy of this church. We're thankful for your partnership with us in ministry over many years and the impact that together we have been able to have around the globe. For me, it's just a joy to be back at my home church where I grew up, to be back here in Havertown. I went for a walk several times now through the old neighborhoods, met some people that I know got uh, you know, invited to dinner even one night, and, and it was, it's just been great. I even went for a run. I, I went for a run, and I was feeling good, and said, I'm going to go over to the high school fields where I used to train and, and run around there, and I'm running around thinking, hey, I can still do this. This is awesome. Until two high school girls like flew right by me, and I felt like God was saying, look, just be grateful you can walk. <laughs> But no, it's just, it's just been fun to, to be back here. I, I bring greetings from my wife, Lisa, our daughters, and uh, their families, our granddaughters. God's blessed us now with uh, four granddaughters. They all send their greetings. Greetings from our ministry, Global Training Network. Some of you will know me, some, uh, many of you perhaps not. I uh, began as a school teacher, taught even at, at Haverford High School for a couple of years, ended up going into ministry. We served 15 years in Germany, in southern Germany, with a ministry called the Torchbearers, and then ended up back in the States in Minnesota, and uh, there I served as a pastor for 10 years, and for the last nine years have been working with the ministry Global Training Network. Global Training Network exists to equip and to encourage pastors and church leaders, predominantly in the developing world, who don't have biblical and theological training. They don't have it because they don't have the opportunities and the resources to get that training. And so we take the training to them. Now, obviously, everything has changed this year, and we have not been able to travel as we typically do. But God has, as you heard from John through his ministry, God has blessed us in our ministry in so many different ways, and I'll share a little bit uh, of that with you this morning. So again, greetings. It's just a joy uh, for us to be here and to have this time together with you. I'd like to just pause and say a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, look into the, into the text that was just read for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. Lord, we thank you for your many blessings that we enjoy. Lord, for the reminders that we've already had this morning of, of how we can tend to focus on the negative, on the challenges, and Lord, miss the incredible blessings that you bring our way and the opportunities, Lord, that we have to serve you. And so, Lord, I just humbly ask that you would open up our eyes to, to see you this morning. Open our ears, Lord, to hear not just your word, but your voice as you speak to us. And, Lord, open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us this morning. We pray this now in the name of our living, risen Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Well, for the past several years, I've had the opportunity to train about 120 pastors and church leaders who serve in a slum area on the outskirts of the capital city of the African nation of Malawi. The slum settlement of about 45,000 people is a desolate place without any resources. In fact, the name of the slum is, in the Chichewa language, is Kauma. And it means just that, a desolate place. The people in Kauma live in severe poverty. They lack adequate housing, clean water, and schools. The community has also been ravaged by the HIV-AIDS crisis, leaving over 5,000 orphans. And the church leaders have been asking us, as we've been training them, how can we do ministry in a place like this? And you know, this is really the same question that the disciples asked Jesus here in Mark chapter 6. How can we possibly care for the needs of people in such an isolated, forsaken, and desolate place? But I want you to notice something in this passage. It was not just a desolate place physically. It was also a desolate place spiritually. The people we read were like sheep without a shepherd. And I wonder this morning if some of you can relate. Perhaps you find yourself during these difficult times, during these desperate times, in a desolate place in life or in ministry. Maybe not a desolate place physically, but spiritually or emotionally, you find yourself in a lonely, isolated, desolate place. For many people, perhaps even for some of you here today, these are desperate times. Well, this morning we want to consider four truths from this passage that I believe will encourage us personally and equip us to serve effectively in desolate places and in desperate times. We're going to begin in verses 33 to 34 of our text. And the first truth is this, that Jesus sees the needs of people before we do. Let me take up the story in verse 33. Now many saw them, the disciples and Jesus, going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When Jesus went ashore, he saw the people and the place and the needs both physical and spiritual. And we read here that he's moved. We read that as he looked at the people and their circumstances, their situation, that he 
felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The Greek word, I don't often use Greek words when I'm preaching, but the Greek word here for compassion is the word splagidzomai. I love that word, splagidzomai. And it, and it means, just like it sounds, to have this sort of gut-wrenching reaction. It means to be deeply moved inwardly. Uh, to have, again, this gut-wrenching reaction. Today, perhaps we would say that Jesus' heart was broken. And whatever, dear friends, breaks your heart as you look at this world, know that it has first broken the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that he cares for those that are hurting, for those who are like sheep without a shepherd. The work we're doing in the slum of Kauma in Malawi is in partnership with a local Malawian church called Capital City Baptist Church, located there in Lalongwe, the capital city of Malawi. And our training for the pastors is really part of a larger project that also is providing housing and clean water and schools. And the name that the church has given to their project in the Chichewa language of Malawi is Adziwa. Adziwa means God sees. Kauma means desolate place. But the message of hope comes in the name of the project Adziwa. God sees. Jesus sees the needs in the world. And he cares. Amen? The second truth is this. That Jesus wants to work in partnership with us. Follow along as I read verses 35 to 37. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. The hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy two denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus chooses, brothers and sisters, to work in partnership with us. When the disciples suggest that he send the people away to find food, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. I mean, he could have easily fed the people himself, right? But he desires to work in partnership with us. He desires to work with his disciples, through his disciples, people like you and like me. You give them something to eat. The problem is, we don't have what it takes. The disciples recognize this. They say, we can't do anything here. We don't have the resources. But they had Jesus. 
Jesus keeps on giving to his disciples so that they can serve the people around them. Brothers and sisters, this is one of the most important truths of the Christian life and of Christian ministry. It's not about what we do for Jesus. It's not about setting out to do great things for him. It's not about trying to please Jesus. The Christian life and ministry is about receiving from Jesus. And taking what we've received from him and using that to serve in partnership with him. Back in early May, I was on a conference call with one of our key leaders in India, where I also serve on a regular basis. And I was hearing stories of the devastating impact that the COVID-19 lockdown was having on many pastors and their families, many pastors who literally live week to week by whatever offering is put into the plate, and now they under this lockdown, and they literally have no resources. They were suffering from malnutrition and starvation. Out of despair, one of the pastors had committed suicide because he could no longer provide for his family. And the pastor I was speaking with, our key partner there, told me that even he and his family had been surviving the past three weeks on chai, nothing but tea. And when the call ended, I, I knew I had to do something. And I, I just in prayer, I said, Lord, I, I, I could scrape together a thousand dollars and I'll, I'll figure out how to send that over the Western Union and, and at least we can maybe help 30 of these pastors, provide them with like a 30 kilogram bag of rice. And, and as I was praying, I, I just sensed that the Lord was saying, well, I want you to share this with your partners. And so the next day I sent out an email, told the story. Uh, three days later, we had $3,000. A few weeks later, we had $12,000. And in the end, we were able to provide not only rice, but other groceries to sustain over 200 pastors and their families over several months. Now again, the Lord could have done this on his own. But he chooses to work in partnership with us. And so I want to ask you this morning, who does Jesus want to reach through you and your family? And this church. Who does Jesus want you to minister to in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, and yes, in the world? The first truth is that Jesus sees the needs before we do. The second truth is that having seen the needs, he desires to work in partnership with us, with you and me. The third truth that we find in verses 38 to 40 
is that we should start with what we have. Let's read these verses, 38 to 40. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. When you serve in partnership with Jesus, you start with what you have rather than focusing on what you lack. Interestingly, Jesus does not ask his disciples, what do you need? He asks them, what do you have? And we discover that when we have Jesus, we have more than enough. A little boy's lunch, five loaves and two fish, is more than sufficient. This got me thinking about the story of Moses in the Old Testament. Remember when God called Moses to return to Egypt to lead the nation of Israel out of captivity, out of slavery? And Moses is like coming up with every excuse in the book, like most prophets, like most people I know who go into missionaries, uh, to go go into missions. Uh, He's coming up with every excuse, and it's in chapter 4 of Exodus, verse 1, where Moses says to God, what if the people will not believe me or listen to my voice? And do you remember what the Lord says to Moses? He said, what's that in your hand? Moses says, "Uh, uh, a staff. And I'm paraphrasing, God says, all right, let's work with that. Remember, he throws it down and becomes a serpent. He picks it up. It's a staff again. God says, let's, let's start with that. Friends, what's in our hands? Jesus doesn't say, what do you need? He says, what do you have? Let's work with that. As we train pastors overseas, again, predominantly in the developing world, Pastors are always approaching us. And, 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 you know, I think sometimes because we come from North America, they think that money's growing on the trees in the backyard. I, I don't know. But they're always approaching me with these grand ministry schemes that they have, these ideas. And, but we, we need a building or we need these financial resources and we, we need this so we can get this done. And, and we're constantly working with them, helping them to... to to see what they already have. What's in their hands that they can use to effectively serve the Lord? And you know what? We're the same way. Often we sit here and we say, well, I, I can't serve the Lord. I can't, I can't do anything because I, you know, I, I don't have the resources. I don't have the training. I, I, I don't have the financial resources. I don't have the people around me that... And I think so often the Lord is not saying, what do you need? He's saying, yeah, but what do you already have? And maybe it's your material 
resources. Maybe it's a home. Maybe you do have, you've been blessed with financial resources that you can invest in God's global kingdom work to advance the gospel and his kingdom worldwide. But maybe it's something more intangible. Maybe you have a relational network. Maybe at work, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe through some hobby or activity, and, and God wants to use that as an avenue for ministry. Maybe it's your personality. And I'm not saying you have to be outgoing and gregarious. Maybe you're quiet and shy, but, but God wants to use that. Maybe it's your gifts, your abilities. The, the point is, what do we already have that God can take and bless and multiply to use to advance his kingdom purposes? Well, this leads to the fourth and final truth that I find about doing ministry in desolate places and during desperate times. And the fourth truth is that blessing often comes out of brokenness. Follow along as I read verses 41 to 44. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves. And gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Jesus took the loaves and the fish. He blessed them. And then he broke them. And it's out of this brokenness that he's able to keep giving to his disciples so that they can effectively serve and minister to the people. Brothers and sisters, this will also be true in our lives, in your life and in mine. Often Christ's miraculous work in us and through us begins with brokenness. Maybe you've been through a broken relationship. Do you realize that that could become an opportunity for ministry? Maybe it's a financial hardship. Maybe it's a, it's a broken body, an illness cancer that you may be suffering with. Maybe it's an addiction. But it's often out of this brokenness in our lives that the Lord brings blessing that can encourage and minister and help others. My dear mother, Lucille Countryman, served as the secretary of the church here at Grace Chapel for many years. And I believe it was at the end of 1999 or early 2000, we were still serving as missionaries in Germany, 
when the phone rang and it was my mother and she said, Scott, I've got some news to share with you. She said, I've just been diagnosed with cancer, multiple myeloma. Difficult conversation, and after I hung up on the phone, I just thought, wow, what's going to happen to mom? Not, not so much at that moment physically, but how's she going to deal with this? How's she going to handle this? Is this going to break her spirit? And you know what was amazing? As a son getting to watch my mother use her broken body as an opportunity for ministry. All of a sudden, whenever she heard that someone else here in the church or in the neighborhood uh, got diagnosed with cancer, she was on the phone. She was visiting them. She could sit down, look them in the eye, and with credibility say, I know how you feel. I know what you're going through. She was making food for them. And she became such a, a, a tremendous uh, encouragement to me and, and taught me so much as I just observed her handle her, her own illness. I remember the day when my oldest daughter was celebrating her graduation from high school. We were at this time in Minnesota and, and um, trying to get ready for this open house for her graduation. There's a knock at the door. I open the door and there my mom is standing with a cane. And, and, and I, I had no idea they were kind of completely, wait, wait, how are you here? <laughs> and they got in the car, ill as she was, and they drove halfway across the country to be there for their granddaughter's graduation. What a blessing that was to the family. Friends, it's this brokenness in our own lives that God can use in miraculous ways to minister to others. Desolate places and desperate times are a part of life. And if you find yourself in a desolate place right now, physically, spiritually, emotionally, do not assume that ministry cannot happen. I think that was a double negative. Assume that ministry can happen. Remind yourself of these lessons, these truths that we've seen today. Jesus sees the need long before we do, and he cares. Secondly, Jesus chooses to work in partnership with us. Do you believe that? Do you really lay hold of that truth? Jesus desires, he chooses to work through you and me. Third, don't focus on what you lack. Just start with what's in your hand. Just start with what you have. And remember, finally, that blessings often come out of brokenness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these truths coming out of the your word, and Lord, we thank you for the impact that they can have in our own lives. Lord, I pray for all those who need encouragement and ask that these words would bring comfort 
and encouragement this morning. Lord, for those of us who have perhaps become complacent or overwhelmed by just the desperate times in which we're living right now, Lord, I pray that this would be a challenge. A challenge that, no, we still can serve and minister effectively in these days. Father, we just thank you that as we serve, we can, we can do so knowing that you see the needs and that you care for people deeply, that your heart is, is broken. Lord, I thank you that you desire with all of our baggage, our sinfulness, all of our questions, all of our issues, you still desire, Lord, to work in partnership with us. Lord, I thank you that we don't need to get a whole bunch of resources, that you've blessed us with everything we need to effectively serve you. And so, Lord, help us just to lay aside our excuses and to do what we can. Finally, Lord, help us to realize that it's out of the brokenness in our own lives that you often choose to, to help us serve and minister effectively. Others. And so, Lord, we just pray that these words would, would stay lodged in our minds throughout the week, that, that they would challenge our hearts. And, Lord, I pray especially that we would respond in very tangible, very practical ways this week. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your truth. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you so much for being our Savior and our Shepherd. We praise you and we give you the glory this morning. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen.